Welcome to Luxury Institute podcast. I'm Milton Pedraza, Luxury Institute CEO. And I'm Katie Sousa, Senior Consultant. In today's podcast, Chapter 7 of our Extraordinary Customer Experiences, or ECs series, we plan to address the demise of the luxury department store experience. Over the last several months and recent weeks, luxury department stores, think Nordstrom, Saks Fifth Avenue, Neiman Marcus, have been making headlines and not for good reason. Yet we've heard nothing about the true luxury department stores like Bergdorf Goodman and Harrods who continue to do well. So think, when was the last time you heard a story of an extraordinary customer experience occurring at these luxury department stores? There are a multitude of reasons why, which we'll discuss today. Milton, this morning, you sent me an article from the Wall Street Journal. It's entitled, It's Not Your Imagination, Shopping in Person is Getting Worse, which I chuckled as soon as I read the headline. That's so what a way to ignite the passion about today's topic. Over the last several months and weeks, as we mentioned, there have been a number of headlines featuring Nordstrom, Saks Fifth Avenue, and Neiman Marcus. From Saks separating from Saks.com to Nordstrom closing stores, mostly which are in Canada, but the biggest closing being its flagship store in San Francisco after 35 years. Neiman Marcus weighing the possible sale of Bergdorf Goodman, which then they eventually denied, and most recently, a potential Saks and Neiman Marcus merger with Hudson's Bay planning to, or potentially planning to buy Neiman. So in the spirit of our podcast, Extraordinary Customer Experiences, we took a deeper dive on Saks and Neiman and latest reviews on their website, as well as in-store experiences. And to say that they are concerning would be a complete understatement. Hmm. You certainly do not see or hear anything about the rare extraordinary experiences that we talk about significantly at any of these brands at either a regular consumer level, um, mass consumer level, or at a VIP level, let alone any of the everyday extraordinary customer experiences. So as we've discussed in prior podcasts, providing extraordinary customer experiences may be happening on a one-to-one -one basis and we're simply just not aware of them. But when the organization, the product, those level of challenges far outweigh and overshadow, ECs do not have a place. And Milton, with these headlines, I'd like to focus on the key factors that are impacting the ability to create ECs. So can you share a little bit about what might be happening behind the scenes? Yes, Katie, I'll start with my own experiences because I have shopped at Saks and Neiman and Nordstrom recently in South Florida and in New York. And I've noticed several things. One. The service was very distant. It was very dispassionate. People were not engaged. There was no follow-up, no clienteling whatsoever. And by the way, we're not alone. High net worth and ultra high net worth members of our network tell us the same thing. There's no relationship building. There's no clienteling. There's a lack of staffing there and also a lack of product. So that's an interesting thing we'll cover in a second. I think the other piece, Katie, is that when you think about Nordstrom and Nordstrom Rack, Saks and off Saks Fifth Avenue outlets and last call outlets, it's clear that the focus of the brand is not on luxury, the focus of the company. It is split between discounting and then luxury. And I think you see it all manifested in several ways that we'll talk about. But one of the things that we see is that 
when you have two different types of products, the outlet and the luxury shop, a lot of lower level brands that you can feed into your outlets begin to show up in the luxury stores themselves. We're not going to put poo or mention any premium or aspirational brands, but what we can say is the majority of the products that we see in these shops is not really too luxury. Now, you couple that with the fact that true luxury brands are trying to take control of their own distribution more and more and more. And what they see in the luxury department store environment doesn't inspire them to put their best products or even any product because of the fear that it might be discounted or it's not gonna sell because really you're not attracting, these luxury department stores are not attracting the right consumers. So I'll take a pause there and ask you what you think of that. I couldn't agree more. And, and we've talked about it numerous times. And even as many, many moons ago working for Nordstrom and Saks, it's disheartening to see that this is now where we are. And I think it's been coming for quite some time. But as you mentioned, when you're putting Saks off fifth and you're putting Nordstrom rack ahead and making them priorities as opposed to Nordstrom Saks Fifth Avenue, Neiman Marcus being the main focus, your clients are going to experience the level of complete lack of prioritization, but your cut, your internal customer, your employee is going to feel the same from a product discounting perspective. Think about it. If, if I'm only reaching out to you as a sales associate, every time there's a discount, you're only going to want to buy from me when there's a discount. So you're, you're training your employee and in turn, of course, training your customer. And there is no room for any experience, let alone an extraordinary one. Absolutely, Katie. I think you're absolutely right. And so what we have seen conducting our own research is two major things. One, that when you go to the website, you're always being bribed with discounts. Either upfront, we'll give you 10% off if you make a purchase at Neiman, or further down, you see a lot of product for sale. And a lot of the product that you see for sale are really aspirational brands. Again, we're not gonna name them because we don't wanna, we, we don't wanna critique aspirational brands. They have a place in the ecosystem. But the question is, should they be the majority of the inventory that you're selling in a luxury retail environment? And I think the answer is no. Certainly. Uh, you're not going to attract the high net worth and the ultra high net worth. The other piece that we see is that um, high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals have told us they go for days now, sometimes when they're shopping, not just at the luxury uh, multi-brand stores, but in many luxury stores without having a great experience. And there's no clientele and follow-up, as we said, but the other thing is that um, when you talk about real personal shopping experiences, not only are you not getting a great experience at the store, but the fact that you have less staff because they've been laying people off, they've been cutting the inventory. Um, and we'll talk about some of the, not, not rumors, but substantiated facts about Neiman and Saks. Then you're really not getting that relationship building. People don't have time to clientele off the floor. They don't have the time to follow up nor do they have an incentive to do so because they don't have any product to really offer the client. So it's a vicious cycle of negative factors that add up to really a very challenging environment. Milton, going back to your point around brands taking complete, you know, trying to take more control of direct distribution, 
Do you think that has to do a lot with not only the brand's lack of trust in the department store, but also how they see a lack of trust between the customer and the, the department store? So what I mean by that is the brand knows this brand, this department store is now creating a lack of trust with my customer. I need to get them back to buy from me directly so that I don't lose that trust with the customer. Because if I, let's say, for example, I'm a huge Saks shopper and I only happen to buy, you know, my Gucci at Saks and I all of a sudden stop buying Gucci, the brand has to find a way to circle back to me as being their customer because ultimately I was buying Gucci, even though it was, let's th say, through an intermediary, mm -hmm. right? What is that? How is that impacting trust across the board? Well, I think great points. So look at the entire ecosystem. You have employees who no longer trust the company. You have providers, the brands that put their product in the wholesale system who no longer trust the company on many levels, including, by the way, according to Ms. Tweed, according to Luca Salka of Bernstein Research, in their reports, they point out that the, the brands are not getting paid, so they're not putting as much product. And so again, lack of trust from the associates, lack of trust from the brands. And that all culminates into a massive lack of trust from the clients. And when you think of clients, they're not all created equal. We're talking about the ultra high net worth and the high net worth who generate 80 to 90% of the sales in the stores and online too. So that is a massive failure of trust. And it can only lead, frankly, to a race to the bottom. And that's what really concerns me about these brands, that they are really creating a situation where, yeah, they're closing stores, they're not getting inventory, they're laying off people, the, there's a breakdown in all the critical elements that go into high performance relationship building, which drives revenues, which drives profitability. So I'm very concerned about the long-term uh, for, uh, for these brands like Nordstrom, maybe less so because they have more of a, an aspirational crowd, but Saks and Neiman seem to have cracks in the armor or kinks in the armor that are not, uh, that don't bode well for the future. Now. There's another piece that you mentioned to me in your research, which is that Saks separated their online business from the stores. What do you think of that, Katie? Well, first of all, it's complete breakage in what we call an omni-personal experience. But if we're utilizing it in the term of omni-channel, there is now no connection. From a consumer point of view, I see Saks Fifth Avenue. I don't see Saks.com. Right and Saks Fifth Avenue, the store. I see the brand. So it's completely separated from our approach of omnipersonal in, in a client-centric environment. And it is solely focused on us, the brand, and how we need to adjust to fit our needs as opposed to the customer needs. Yes, Katie. And so we conducted more research. We went online and we looked at what independent sites and where people rate the brands have as a result of everything we've been describing. The net result is that Saks has a two, it really is under two, like a 1.9 out of five rating, and Neiman has a three out of five. Now that is not stellar. These are hundreds of reviews in independent 
rating sites. Now you could argue some of them might be fake, but usually the fake ones are the positive ones, not the negative ones, obviously. So that is, those are two major indicators. When you see consumers rating you or berating you on these websites and really trashing you, giving you ratings of one that bring down your entire score, that's a red flag. That's a signal that something is truly wrong. And that's why, again, I'm so concerned long-term for these com companies. Now, they may survive. And people talk about the fact that there's underlying real estate there that is valuable. So it's not a complete loss. But at least for the brands that depend on the wholesale system less and less because of its breakage and the customers, I think that we're going, we're getting to a level where there might be a critical point, a critical breakage point. Now, we've talked about the challenges and the lack of extraordinary customer experience, either those rare ones where you're, you know, taking your best customers on trips, private jets, that seems to be all gone. I mean, they're relying on loyalty points programs, discounts, maybe some clientele if you have a really devoted sales associate. But those extraordinary, rare extraordinary experiences seem to be gone. They're, they're not even pretending anymore. So we've discussed that. Now let's talk about the good news in luxury department stores. So tell me more about that. Well, let's just think specifically about Bergdorf Goodman and Harrods. Bergdorf still being owned by Neiman Marcus, Harrods clearly being in London and you know solely owned one location. We don't necessarily hear anything negative in headlines, which is a great thing. No news is good news. At least but about Bergdorf, right? Bergdorf right, seems correct. to have stayed pure. And from what we hear from high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals and families within our network, these are the locations. If they are shopping department stores, this is where they are shopping. This is where they are spending time. Mostly from a personal relationship perspective and a product perspective. They mm -hmm. truly shop there because it is true luxury. They're remaining within their roots. And not only that, but they're innovating in different ways wh when it comes to a one-to-one -one approach versus the other brands. Yes, and Harrods has diversified into a beautiful lounge on the second floor where they even do, you know, all kinds of um, beauty uh, I don't even know if they do cosmetic surgery, but they're approaching that whole wellness, um, beauty, uh, innovation that has been so successful for them. What we hear from ultra high net worth clients is that they still have great relationships with associates who really do take care of their personal shopping at both places and that the product is very pure and pristine luxury. So those are two stars that shine in the middle of a pretty challenging universe. Um, and I, I would have to say that um, that is good news. But now let's talk about the future of department stores. What do you see when you look at the future, the next five to 10 years? I think what will happen is they might exist, but they will scale back. One of the key headlines that I read many months ago on Nordstrom was too big, too fast. And I think that applies to Nordstrom, Saks, and Neiman. Too big, too fast. More is not more. So when you look at Bergdorf Goodman, you look at Harrods, 
yes, they might be on the smaller scale, you know, Herod's being one location. You don't need to be one location, but you have to be able to control the environment, control the brand, control the pureness of your luxury brand and the brands that are maintained within your organization. Whereas when you look at the others, they have gone in so many different directions with zero laser focus. So if they are going to survive and thrive, they will have to scale back and really start to refocus on who, first and foremost, is our customer. If our customer is the, you know, last call customer, then fine, keep the meme and last call locations. But I don't believe that that is is who the true Neiman Marcus customer is. They, I believe that customers really do miss the old Saks Fifth Avenue, that they miss the old Neiman Marcus, that they miss the old Nordstrom. And we've gotten in such, you know, the pendulum has swung so far that the only way to retreat back is basically to do what Harrods did. They took out everything that did not align with their brand. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. from the teddy bears to anything that you could possibly think they of. They disinvited the tourists. They literally up the space. Correct. That many Middle Eastern, Asian, American, European high net worth needed to have in order right. to have a, an extraordinary shopping experience. That's a great point. Something that I think about all the time, and this was years ago, where we would show, for example, old luxury versus new luxury. Old luxury was highly exclusive. That was always the word. And then it became luxury is inclusive. What I think to my point is that we've swung so far on being inclusive. And I don't mean inclusive in a, in a negative sense, but in- no, Of in course, a, I mean, everyone, where regardless of their race, everyone. ethnicity, gender preferences, right. should Correct. be inclusive. But not everyone has an equal wallet. And that's just reality. But it's also just a sense of values, mindset. This is who our consumer is. We've swung so far in one direction that luxury has to get back. These brands in particular have to get back to finding that level of exclusivity again. That's what makes luxury luxury. That is what creates that level of aspiration. And you can see it not only in the department stores, but we've talked about this before, the other luxury brands that have gone too far to be so inclusive of everyone at every price point that they are now losing their target consumer. The really wealthy consumer. Katie, you're absolutely right. I was literally thinking as you were talking, many brands, in order to say they wanted to attract younger consumers... Instead of waiting for the affluent, wealthy consumers to come to them, as they always do, they went down market to go and get them by discounting, which is, you know, all these outlet stores, by create, by putting product on sale, marginal, let's say, premium as opposed to luxury product on sale in their stores. That's not how you attract your luxury, wealthy, young consumer. The wealthy, young consumer comes to them because they realize, okay, I'm young, but I'm a member of this tribe. I love Laura Piana. I love Brunello Cuccinelli. I love my Chanel. I love my Hermes. They can go to you. You have to be there to inspire them to come. What many, and particularly the department stores, but also we know many brands that have crested and are challenged right now because they went too far in trying to attract the aspirational consumer 
and they may have increased sales for a while, but they lost their margin and they lost the best luxury brands being a part of their constellation, part of their portfolio. Big mistakes. And I think, unfortunately, they're paying for it. True luxury does not need to go <laughs> where they are and find right. them. They don't need to go down market. That's no. The real mistake. consumer will come to you. They will find you. They will seek you out. That is part of the level of aspiration and feeling that level of exclusivity is I am seeking you out because I know about you and I know that I want to be a part of that as opposed to dropping down to find that, that group of consumers. So I, I think that the future of luxury department stores can be, can be highly successful, can thrive again. People miss shopping. They do. They, we talked about that the other day. You don't shop for fun anymore. It now feels like a chore. It feels like a complete chore as Absolutely. opposed to what used to feel like you went to, you know, I used to go to Saks Fifth Avenue on Saturdays with my mom for hours just to browse and enjoy the experience and meet the associates and, and have a great dialogue. You don't look forward to that anymore. And I definitely feel a sense within our network of high net worth, ultra high net worth, that they certainly don't enjoy it anymore. I think if luxury department stores can become a destination again, and truly a destination where people are seeking them out as opposed to being where everyone is and they are all things to all people, they will be in a much better position to thrive like the Herods of the world, like Bergdorf Goodman. Like Here, here, here's my take. <laughs> I really think the following, and, and I'll tell you, it's all personified by this headline. Barney's New York finds a new home at Forever 21. Just in time for New York Fashion Week, the iconic, now defunct luxury department store Barney's New York has made its return to fashion, albeit not in a way that many of the brands devotees would have imagined. Fast fashion retailer Forever 21 has released a limited edition collection featuring the Barney's brand. Unfortunately, Katie, and I don't mind. Look, you want to go mass? Wonderful. Just don't say you're luxury. Unfortunately, I see the future of Nordstrom's in Nordstrom Rack. I see the future of Saks in Saks Off-Fifth. And I see the future of Neiman in Last Call. Just like we see the current state of Barney's, which went bankrupt a few years ago, at Forever 21. Again, we're not critiquing that. Those are all legitimate strategies. The only thing we're saying, they're not luxury strategies. So I see the future of these luxury department stores in the mass market. Just to reframe it in the series of our podcast, Extraordinary Customer Experiences. We know many, many premium mass brands who can create extraordinary customer experiences. It's not that it is specific you know, to luxury, although luxury is certainly taking the rare ECs to a different level. If they are to stay in the Nordstrom Rack, Saks Off Fifth, Last Call, areas and that becomes the focus of the brands how do you think their ecs evolve well i think they deteriorate and that's okay because when i go to tj maxx i don't expect that i just expect a good deal a bargain and therefore i put up with racks that are not very well you know put together they're messy it's a bargain hunt 
that's what it is. And so I unfortunately think that um, that's where the experience is going to go. And again, you're going to get what you pay for. And so, um, but I just think it's a little sad that, uh, remember, these companies were all weighed down with debt, not so much Nordstrom, but even Nordstrom had some uh, debt challenges and some transition challenges in the last you know phase where everybody thought stores were going to die. Um, and COVID obviously didn't help. But so there have been a lot of external factors that have created these circumstances. But I would say that for the most part, these are self-inflicted wounds. And I feel bad about it because I love all these brands. They're dear to my heart. I grew up with them. I shopped with them. I, When I was a young man, I desired to shop them even more. Uh, but now I think that just uh, they're a passing phase. I wish them luck, but I really think that um, the writing is on the wall. Great. Thank you, Milton, for today's discussion. And for all of the, I want to say, sales professionals, store managers, sales managers that are there and have the ability to create extraordinary customer experiences, not only the ability, but the desire, the want, the will, continue to do that. Because regardless of the circumstance, you are some people buy from people. Ultimately, people want to engage with people. We mentioned, you know, clearly there are a lot of challenges here, but that does not mean that you as the individual have to stop being the best person that you can be every day. Or as a quote I read the other day, don't try to always show up as the best person you can be, show up as your favorite person. So who is your favorite version of yourself? Show up as that person and create that extraordinary experience with the individual in front of you. I guarantee not only will it make their day create an, a story for you, but when it comes time to find a new position, to find a new role, to expand your horizons, I guarantee those stories will make a difference for you. Absolutely, Katie. As we come to a close, we want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. We would love to hear from you, your comments, your thoughts on today's discussion. We also invite you to share any extraordinary customer experiences with us. Again, whether you deliver, received, or witness them, we would love to hear your story and would love to feature them throughout our podcast. Feel free to contact us with any comments. You can reach us at luxuryinstitute.com. And Milton, I'll hand you the last word. As always, Katie, I think... There's some uncontrollable factors in life. That's luck. But in life, you do control a lot of your factors. So we wish you even more phenomenal and extraordinary skill. Control your destiny or somebody else will. Good luck. Great skill. Thank you.